The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. your intention this morning to Psalm 150, Psalm 150, or if you're a tablet person, swipe that way. If you haven't memorized, this is the time where you unlocked your brain part and you open that part of the scripture up. But Psalm 150 this morning is where we'll begin. Uh, Before we get started, just some thank yous this morning. Andrea Loy is our designer for the graphics you'll see today. Andrea, thank you uh, for your help with that. Uh, Just so you know what happens behind the scenes sometimes in coming up with sermon series titles. We had two titles. We had Palms full of psalms uh, that we thought about using. Say that five times fast. Palms full of psalms. We didn't use that one. Uh, The other one was called Warship, W-A-R-S-H-I-P, The Battle Continues. Uh, If you've been around churches for a while, you know that traditional versus contemporary versus rock band versus reggae versus rap, what is God's favorite worship music? Well, we decided to scrap that one as well, and we went with a simple title, what is worship, okay? Does that work? Uh, Matt liked the worship one. I don't think anyone liked the palms full of psalms, so uh, just so you know. We tried it, and we, uh, we, we failed miserably at it. So, Andrea, thank you for doing that. And, you know, as, as you turn there, just a reminder that we do have the Pew Bible. Some of you are new or new to the Bible. We're on page 526 today, 526, Psalm 150. Uh, this whole year, we've been in a series of back to the basics. Back to the basics because we're basic people? Not really. But often the basics are the things that we most often forget, aren't they? Even as parents, as many times as we've been up late at night with our kids, there's always a routine to follow. And how many times my wife can tell you that I've messed that one up too many times. Or whatever it is, the basics are always needed. So when we say back to the basics, please don't take this as a sinking of anything in your life. But take this as a great reminder that even though you are aged in your faith, many of you, or if you're new, that this is something that we're going to look at. So... The next five weeks will be What is Worship from the Psalms, and we will start that way. You know, and every year, I believe it's already happened, the Dove Awards. Has anyone ever heard of the Dove Awards before? Some of you all. Uh, The Dove Awards are the Christian version of the uh, Grammys, basically. They come out about every April or May. And what I'm about to read to you is satire. This is not real. But if you want some funny Christian jokes, you can go to this website, babylonb.com. Dot com Babylon B B E dot com, and this is a fictitious story they made up about the Dove Awards and how Christians and music worship go together, and this is what they said. They said, "This year we think there are categories going to be hotly contested because we have several new categories for the K or for the uh, Dove Awards, and these are the awards that they're supposedly putting in. Again, this is fake, but this is what they said: the best band you don't realize is tied to that one crazy false church." The best act that will renounce Christianity in five years. The best artist who included mentioning Jesus just that one time, and they're so good, we must give them an award. The best lyrics from a Christian song that were repeated 159 times in a row in the same song. The best Christian artist that clearly holds no Christian beliefs. The best Christian rapper who gets mad when called a Christian rapper. Or the best song that's just pretty much a Barry Manilow song, but directed towards Jesus. Um, 
the best ruining of a classic hymn. The best song with three chords or less so your youth worship pastor can handle it when he plays his guitar at night. Now, for many of you, you're saying, what in the world are you talking about? All of these fictitious fake categories are things that often come up when we talk about worship in the church of Jesus Christ. These are things that happen all the time. And so for some, worship is just something that you do. You turn on your radio, you, you, you come to church, but for others of us, it's not some silly category. It's life, isn't it? That's what it's all about. That's why we at this church do not believe that worship is for your individual consumption. It's for our corporate understanding. Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way. How are we to worship God? Hebrews chapter 12 says this. It says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. And thus, let us suffer to offer, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and all. For our God is a consuming fire. Friends, for many, if not most Christians, what we're getting ready to study in the Psalms is the most heartfelt part of the Bible. Many of you have read through the Psalms when your family has been out of whack, when your life has been out of whack. And this is a time where we want to step back and say, what is worship? Is it because you repeat the same lyrics 159 times? Is it because you mention Jesus one time that that makes it a Christian song? What is it about worship that is so missing in today's church? So, Darren, are you saying that you're all contemporary and not classical, or are you all classical and no contemporary? Actually, I just like what the church did in Matt Redmond's church about 20 years ago. They had these fights going on in their church. You know what they decided to do? They went silent for like six months. Blake, wherever you're at, is that not right? Like six months, six, seven months? Oh, calendar year, a whole year. They didn't sing songs for a whole year because the church couldn't decide what to do. Are we going to go contemporary? And they came with that great song. Maybe you've heard it, The Heart of Worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's not about me. And friends, so that's what we want to answer today. Because what is worship? Why is it important to know what worship is? Is this some thing we do? I mean, didn't we just worship pastor? Yeah, but what does that mean? And if you have no desire to worship God here, why would you want to worship him forever in heaven? You know, the big idea is very straightforward today. It's that the depth of our worship will be dependent on how brilliantly and beautifully we see Christ. That's what it comes down to. You see, praising God should change us. It should transform us. When we leave church, it should change who we are. It really should. Whether the songs were whatever they were, but our minds should be better informed. Our hearts should be more tender and thankful, and our will should be more determined to praise this awesome God that we have. And isn't he an awesome God? Amen? God is so good. So how do we do this? What is worship? We'll get there in a second. We're going to look at four things. You're going to see this come up here, but there's going to be a blank on the next slide here. It's going to have a blank. Blank, should we praise the Lord? We're going to look at where we should praise the Lord. We're going to look at why we should praise the Lord. We're going to look at how we should praise the Lord. And we're going to look at who should praise the Lord. Psalm 150 is kind of like the great finale. If you were to study the Psalms, it's like the, the high note of a song. Um, we have a lot of musicians in here. I'm sure there are some terms that are there that you could say better. But this is the conclusion. This is where it all comes down to it. After all these songs that David and the songs of uh, sons of Korah wrote and, and Solomon and Moses, all these great songs about struggles and valleys, mountain peaks in life, and all these crazy things happening, they end with this one song. And this is what it comes down to. It comes down to help us to remember 
that every one of us, everywhere, at every time, in every situation, is to praise the Lord. To praise the Lord. And it will end on a note of praise. And so, friends, if, with that in mind, if you'll stand and join with me, and we won't read the verses 159 times, but we will read it through one time this morning. You'll join me in standing in the honor of God's Word as we look up the last psalm in the book of Psalms, plural. Psalm 150, page 526 in the Blue Bible of the Pew, says this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with a trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Oh, we're Baptists. We can't do that. Sorry, that's not in the text. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with the sounding cymbals. Praise Him with the loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's go before the Lord today as we praise Him through prayer. Father, we thank you that uh, we can be silly for a second to really poke fun at our evangelical culture, that often we give awards to things that, Lord, may be or may not be right, but what, one thing we do desire to be right this morning, Father, is that you are glorified, that you are lifted high, that in our lives, as we walk out of here, as we go through a busy week, some with more trials and temptations than others, but, Father, nonetheless, living life in a sin-filled world, that we would remember that the more beautifully and brilliantly we see you, the better we worship. Father, help us to do that. Maybe this is old hat for many, but Lord, refresh our hearts. Send your spirit. Fill us up. May we discern what is best, not just better, but best as we do your will. Father, we love you so much. We ask this today in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, before we move on to the actual text, we need to define what worship is. And um, I, I can tell you, and Blake, I was thinking of you this week, worship has been defined by so many different people over so many different times. You can literally go to almost any book and find a different thing about worship. But I think it all boils down to kind of a summary statement I'll give you here. What is worship? Well, uh, worship is seeing God for what he's worth and giving him that worth. You know, we just studied God for 15 weeks, and he's amazing. I mean, there's so much that we could look at about who God is, and there's so much we could read. And God is worth infinitely more than we could ever give him, but we are to give him what he's worth. We're to praise him. We're to lift him up. For you brainiacs out there, and there's many of you more brainiac than all of us, but it's theology going into top gear. It's taking your, your, your car out on the road, if you will, and it's opening it up with all your Bible truth, and just, man, you're going 150 and a, and a 75, and you're just praising God don't do this, by the way, but you're just praising God that this is what it is. You're on fire for the truth. You see God for what he is, and all you can do is praise him and worship him. That's what worship is. Worship is not just getting done and out of the way. Oftentimes, maybe you've been to events like this. Well, pastor, we're going we're gonna to talk about God, so we gotta, we got to have worship. That's great, right? That's good. But sometimes, have you ever felt that way where you've just done it to get to the next thing? Anyone ever been there before? Wow, that's good. Some of you are, are saying yes. But friends, for Christians, this is life. Worship is life. So what is not worship? Worship is not anything that you would put in front of who God is. This is why God tells us to be careful of idols. Maybe the worship in your life is what is closely tied to your checkbook the things that you give your most money to. Maybe the things that you worship in your life are the things you give the most time to. Not all bad things, but not necessarily the
the best things. Maybe the worship in your life is what you have a favorite song, and if you don't sing that favorite song, then you haven't worshiped. Maybe your worship is, I don't know, fill in the blank. Do you see how complicated this can get? But friends, let me just boil it down to you. If you see God for who he is, and you are a Christian, and you respond to him by giving him your all, your time, your talents, your praise, your songs, everything that you are, that is worshiping God. Can you worship God as you mop a floor in a dirty bathroom at your house? Better believe it. Can you worship God when your favorite sports team, that's the third reference this morning, has lost five in a row? (laughs) Amen, you can. Because guess what? My worship is not tied to how well a sports team is doing. It's tied to the faithfulness and character of God himself. So let's start this off. Where should we praise God? Look back at verse 1. It's very straightforward, very easy to understand. He says, praise the Lord. We think this is probably written by David. David wrote most of the Psalms, and so it's, it's appropriate this is probably written by David. But it says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. You notice that if you were to go back over the last three Psalms, you just want to look back with me at Psalm 146 and turn the page back. Psalm 146, Psalm 147, Psalm 148, Psalm 149, all start with that same phrase. What is it? Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's very straightforward. And what it is, is it literally means hallelujah, praise to God. This is said 13 times in this little section right here. So this isn't just an optional thing now. This is something that we are called to do. It is to praise God. Some people say, you know, I can't praise God unless fill in the blank. Friends, it doesn't say any asterisks here. No exceptions. It's praise God. So where should we praise the Lord? Where should we praise the Lord? Well, he says, praise him in his holy place, his mighty firmament. You might have the word mighty expanse or mighty heavens. But basically, anywhere, anytime is a place to praise the Lord. From a single point to every point in this idea is a thought, wherever you're at, whether you're at home, whether you're at the job, whether you're on vacation, wherever you are, you are to praise the Lord. From below, praise the Lord. By man and by angel, God is to be praised. And we are gathered here today with people all around this world who are praising God in different tongues, in different languages. I don't know if you've ever been, many of you have, to a different church service before of a different language. And you don't know, by golly, if you know the language, that's an amazing thing. I can remember being in Mexico, and I've been there almost four months, and I was getting ready to head back because uh, the uh, fall session at Jewel is starting and if you've been to a foreign country, you know, you get to that point where you almost get the language. You, you can understand it, and they can understand your two-year-old gibberish talk in their language. And I can remember just hearing a song, and I just remember hearing it, and I could start hearing the words in Spanish and, and hearing those things, and just hearing all these people sing the song in another language, so encouraging. And then you come back home, and what happens to all that language? It goes right away. But I'll never forget that moment. Friends, there is no place where praising God is not welcome and rightly voiced. So what does this mean for us? You've seen it up on the screen. I just want to say the first application is this. Jesus is our ultimate worship leader. He never entertains us. He never bores us. And he never leaves us where we are. Friends, this is why it's so easy to get caught up 
in a culture of Christianity that says, well, this worship pastor leads this way. This person leads this way. Man, I've heard this before. This guy has cooler hair than this other guy. Therefore, I'm going to go listen to him. Serious comment. Your worship is not dependent on how the worship pastor looks. Should they be respectfully dressed? Absolutely. But know this. Jesus is your ultimate worship leader. If you are looking to him, people will fail you, but Christ will not. It's almost like that old story where the man was walking through New York City, and I don't have a dime or a coin on me, but he was walking through a crowded sidewalk, and he just dropped a coin. No one did anything. He was trying to test people's reactions. And then he started looking up. He just stood in the middle of all these people walking around him, just stood looking up. And one by one, you'd see people kind of, see, look at that up there. And after a while, people started gathering around him and looking up. Almost like an alien force was on him or something, you know. They were looking up. And his comment was, that is the way a worship leader should be leading. It's not about the personality of the worship leader. That worship leader, that pastor, should be looking so much at Christ. And every now and then, people just say, what are you looking at? Who's up there? And he can look and say, that's Christ. That's Christ. That is why do not let this culture tell you that your worship leader or worship style should be like the major leagues or your favorite team. Friends, it is about Christ. And if we lose that focus, we have lost everything and everywhere. And that's number two. It's hard to see up there a little bit. But don't worship worship. Don't worship the music of worship. Don't worship the style of worship. Don't worship the instruments of worship or the place you worship. You know, some of you know this to be very true, but church buildings are fine, but they're not necessary. Aren't you grateful for this building? Amen. Grateful for the men who keep care of it, the ladies who take care of it. But we can praise God anywhere, any place. You can praise God in a simple building like ours. You can praise God in a magnificent European cathedral that took 150 years to build. You can praise God in the pigsty that some people in Mexico I've served with met in because there is no place for them in the town. You can praise God in a catacomb or in prison. You can praise God wherever it's at. Sometimes we get so caught up in if this isn't the way it is, then this is what I'm going to do. Friends, what the psalm says here, praise the Lord, praise God in the sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him wherever you are. Aren't you grateful that it doesn't say you have to only worship at this one spot? Now be very careful, because this is where you can get in trouble, because the person who is kind of a, a cultural Christian will say, well, pastor said that, that I don't have to worry about where I worship, it just matters that I worship. So I can be a lone ranger Christian, right? I can go and do whatever I want to do. Well, I can worship God at home, and I don't need... Friends, don't ever let anyone tell you that you should not be in the fellowship of a local church. If that church is preaching Christ, and that church is glorifying Christ, and all they're seeking to do, then find a home there. Can I worship God at my desk in a cubicle somewhere in downtown Kansas City? Yes, I can. But I need to be accountable to that local church because I need that church to appear into my life to say, you know what, we love you, but this is what God says. And you need that too. Just because you can worship anywhere is not an excuse to go worship without a church or being a member of a church. You know, a great, I don't know if it's a great story, but in 1999, Pastor Chester Miller, please don't do this to me, uh, but Pastor Chester Miller experienced one of the most bizarre endings to a church service that ever happened. One of his church members, Victoria Smith, true story, pre- pulled a gun on Pastor, on Pastor Miller during the closing prayer because he had not preached from the book of Revelation that morning. And the 58-year-old 
who was from Saddle, Arkansas, said a sermon from Revelation was, quote, the most important thing for her to win the argument with another church member, end quote. You know, <laughs> I smile at that because the article goes on to say that also they didn't play the right songs for her, and therefore she had to pull the gun, is what she said in court transcripts. Can you believe that? People get serious about this stuff. But friends, poorly managed anger leads to some very irrational decisions. And this is why some churches in their worship services have to go over the top, have to make, them, make it bigger than the biggest rock concert because they feel that their God has to be let out like that. You know, I remember a story in the Bible where Elijah went to the prophets of Baal. You remember what those prophets of Baal started doing all day? They started cutting themselves. They started dancing around. They started doing all these things, and there was a dead God. But when Elijah got up, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, he prayed and said, God, burn this offering. What happened in an instant? It burned it. Friends, I'm grateful of this church that we do not have to be over the top to make up for the fact that our God is not alive. He's very alive, isn't he? Amen. This doesn't mean we don't have a hard rocking song every time. It doesn't mean we don't do traditional songs every time. But friends, know this. We are not here to impress people with our worship. We are here to worship the Lord. Amen? And that is the truth. So that's number one. Where should we worship? Anywhere. Why should we worship? Look back at verse 2 if you have your Bible with you. He says, Praise Him for His mighty deeds and praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Why praise the Lord? Scripture does not call us to blind or uninformed worship. Scripture doesn't call us just to worship to worship. Christianity is a thinking religion. I hope you know that. Faith does not call us to look for a black cat in a dark room when he's not there. Does that make sense? Faith calls us to know what God has done and who he is, and because of that, worship comes. Friends, we don't check our brains at the door when we enter this room. You know, I'm working through, as I go to bed at night, I'm working through uh, an A&E special called Mysteries of the Bible. And it has this great voiceover stuff. It's very, it's very serious stuff. And you know, just some of the stuff they say on there is just ludicrous. It really is just ludicrous stuff. Because you know what? We are a religion, Christianity, that doesn't check our brain at the door. We are a religion that takes all that information we know about God. And that is why we praise Him for who He is. Because worship, as you see on the screen, puts God in His proper place and us in ours. Friends, sometimes when we come to worship, we think that it's just we sing these songs. Friends, know this. What does the psalmist say? He says, praise him for his mighty acts. When you worship and you're struggling to focus on whatever we're singing, maybe you just need to re-roll in your mind what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Maybe as you're singing or you're having trouble, as you're spending time with God, you need to say, Lord, okay, I'm going to take two minutes and I'm going to write down what you have done for me in this last day, this last week. And wouldn't you be amazed? What is that old hymn? Uh, some of you know the old hymns. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Yeah. You know what? Guys, there's so much to thank God for. Thank God that he saved you. Amen. Thank God that he made a mighty work of creation. Thank God that you're not just some random process called evolution that by his intricate hand and in his image, he created you and you have identity in him. Thank God that he has sovereign rule over all the nations. And nothing falls without his permission. Thank God that in your greatest trial that he is there with you. 
Thank God that you can praise him for his excellent greatness. Friends, he is not a God that is among other gods. He's the only God. And that's why we worship not simply to know more about God, but to know God more. Friends, worship is not just about you or just about me. Worship is about praising God for what he has done for us, especially in Jesus Christ. That is what worship is all about. That's what worship is all about. You know, I don't know if you've had this experience at a restaurant. We have not had this in a long time, but uh, this picture up here may serve, you know, maybe you've had bad service at a restaurant before, and you decided to get creative with the ketchup and the mustard, and right, we waited for 30 minutes on the table. Anyone ever had a bad restaurant experience like that before? Some of you all have. Okay, don't name the restaurants. We will just stick with that. But every now and then, you get a waiter, don't you, or waitress that just comes by. They drop the plate on the table. You can hear it in their tone of voice. It's, it's almost like, why are you here? You know, what, what happened in your day that made you so mad at me for coming into your restaurant? I mean, think about it. Your coming is the number one reason they have a job, right? No customers, no income. No coming people, no job. And yes, things happen that make us upset during a job. I know there's situations, but sometimes they're just waiters and waitresses that are just mad, aren't they? That's why you go to CC's and you can serve yourself, guys, and that works just fine. But you know what? A correct attitude would be something like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, or you know what? I'm sorry that the wait took so long, or you know, uh, we finally have a table for you. Why don't you follow me? Or you know what? It's going to be 10 more minutes. Is there anything I can get you to drink? Uh, can, can, I, can I help you with those things? And when you get that kind of waiter, the one who's concerned about you, don't you, as you get ready to tip, doesn't that roll through your mind? You say, you know, Joe Schmo was really good to me today. I'd like to tip him or well, him, I'd say at that point, Joe a little bit more at this stage. Why? Why do you do that? Why the difference? Why don't you tip that one who just throws the plate at you and says, just let me know, I'll be right over here, you know. Why do you change your tip for that person? Because they served you. They were conscientious of you. They desired to make you feel good about coming to their restaurant. And friends, that's exactly how it is with God. God didn't create you and save you so that you could, he could serve you. God has created us so that we can worship him as he is. Why do we worship him? Because he's created us. Why do we come before him? Because he has created you and saved you, and he wants you to service him with that same attitude as a good waiter. God, what can I do for you today as you wake up? Lord, who is it today that may need to hear about your grace and I can worship you by sharing the gospel with them? God, you really need to know it's not about me, but it's all about you. Forgive me for those times, Father. Friends, when you decide there's a reason you're here to worship God everywhere you go, then that changes everything. And that whopping tip is going to be big because God loves to share with those that are with him. When you serve him, it's amazing how God serves you. You are here for him. You're here for him. So where do you worship? You worship him anywhere. Why do you worship him? Because he's excellent. He's great. And now this is where that gun was pulled in Saddle, Arkansas. How should we worship the Lord? Please don't pull that today. But friends, let me say this first off. Is we, the simple answer is with everything we are and everything that we have. You are to worship God with your money. You are to worship God with your kids. You are to worship God with your possessions. You are to worship God with your job. You are to worship God with your auto, your food. Everything is back to him, generally speaking. But here in the psalm, it says some very specific things. Look back at verse 3 with me. He says, praise him with trumpet sound. 
praise him with lute and harp. Not flute there, but note it's lute, L-U-T-E, and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. So how do we praise the Lord? This sounds like a pretty good thing, doesn't it? It's a lot of stuff. But friends, I just want to say this first off as we get there. It's up on the screen. If you judge your church's worship on how well you are fed, you have made yourself the object of worship. I want you to chew on that for a second. And I'm pointing ten fingers back at myself when I say this. Friends, if worship becomes how well you are fed in worship, you have made yourself what is being worshipped in that worship service. How is that, Pastor? Friends, because it's not about us. Yes, you are here by God's grace to receive strength in your time of need. Please don't miss that. God will strengthen you as you worship Him. He will will convict you as you worship Him. He will comfort you. He will challenge you. But ultimately, when the, the rubber meets the road, it is not about us. It is all about Him. It is all about Him. And I have known so many folks frustrated over the years of many different churches. Look, I have served in churches in in Warnell Road Baptist Church. John Mark Clifton preached here last year where we had candles on every table. And it was like you were clapping. I don't know. I can't snap my finger. I think you all know that. But have you ever been to those coffee shops where they start clapping their hands or snapping their fingers? Yeah, they do that snap. We had that type of worship. That same church, in the afternoon, we had an African-American church we partnered with. They were singing gospel songs. In the morning was the traditional service where we did much like we're doing here. And at night, man, they would bring out the earrings. They'd bring out the fog machines. They'd, look, been about every type of worship. But the one thing that goes through all those types of worship services, there will always be, at some point, someone gets frustrated and says, I just wasn't fed today. Were you listening? Did you pray, God, soften my heart so that I may hear you today? Look, it doesn't mean that as pastors, we don't constantly reevaluate how we do things here. I hope you know that we do. God, can we do this better for your glory? Is there another way to communicate this same truth in a gospel-centered way? But friends, ultimately, it is about Christ. Amen? It is about him. You come to worship to lift him up, and as you lift him up, you'll be amazed as God lifts you up as you see him as he is. So how do we worship him? We worship him with trumpet. This was a ram's horn back in the day. Wouldn't that be, Blake, you got your work cut out for you, man. Ram's horn. Or a lute, which was like a harp. Does anyone play, does anyone play the harp in here? Somebody? Nobody? No, I don't think so. How about the timbrel and the dance? This was a, a shadow back to Miriam, the prophetess, who was uh, the sister of Aaron, that after the Israelites came out, she started with the thing and dancing, and all these ladies joined into her. There's flutes or lutes. There's loud cymbals, almost like percussion. There's clashing cymbals, which are large, loud cymbals with a crashing sound. All these things are appropriate, folks. You say, you know, I've had someone say to me at another church, you know, Darren, I won't go to a church unless they have this, 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 and this at worship. Friends, that's why I'm glad the last sub-point here, the last application point, is that our worship service is unabashedly for people who like going to church. You say, shouldn't you make it comfortable for people who are not willing to go to church? Yes, please. Yes, we want you to feel welcome here. But friends, the purpose of the church is not to lift up us. It's to lift up who? Christ. Do we treat the church more like a hotel or more like a home? How we answer that question 
will directly impact how we come to church and how we worship. Look, if God puts you in a church, and I've preached in these churches before, where they are out in the country, I mean, past the tracks, past the boot, uh, the, the boondocks, whatever that song is, past all that stuff, and there's a church out there surrounded by cows and weeds and everything else, but faithful people go there. And there's a church I can remember preaching at in seminary up in northern Missouri that had 10 people show up. And they wanted me to lead singing. And praise God they didn't ask me any further after I opened my mouth. Amen? But one thing they did have is they had a CD. And these faithful people, they just wanted to reach their community. That's all they wanted to do. None of them could lead. I couldn't lead. And so what did we do? We put in a CD. And we sang along to the CD. Were we worshiping the Lord? Maybe not very pretty, amen? But we worship the Lord. Look, I'm not saying that we don't try to, to reach people where they're at, but friends, the purpose of the church is not to entertain goats. It's to, 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 to shepherd sheep. Do you get that? That's the purpose of the church. How we worship the Lord matters. You know, I, my, my best friend, Brian Peters, is going to hear this. And, you know, he's in a church where they, uh, they sing only out of the Psalms. They, they're ex- exclusive psalm singing church. All the tunes are tunes we would know, but they only sing the song. So, Blake, they would never sing any of the songs we do. I do not go that far in how I see worship, but I respect my brother who can only sing through the songs because you know what his heart's desire is to do? is to praise the Lord. Friends, be careful about judging other churches about how they worship, but be careful that our own church doesn't become the test case for how things should be instead of praying about how things are and how God can use what we're doing right here. I hope that makes sense. A.W. Tozer said this, he said, a church that can't worship must be entertained, and men who can't lead a church to worship must provide entertainment. There's a great story that comes with that quote. It's from Joni uh, Tata Erickson. I think many of you have heard of her before. She's a quadriplegic who in 1967 uh, had a tragic diving accident. Great athlete. She was going to go to state. She was going to move on. It's a picture of her and her husband, Ken. But in spite of this, she met uh, a godly man in Ken. And you know what? She's done amazing things. She has painted. She writes songs. She sings. Uh, if you've never read one of her books, please pick one up. It is wonderful. She's solid. But when she got to her wedding, she learned some great things about worship. She's in a wheelchair. So she had planned to come down an aisle in a motorized wheelchair. That's what she could do. She, she wanted to do it herself. And when the day arrived, she uh, was beautifully dressed, as you can see, with the flowers and everything. She looks gorgeous. But just before the grand entrance, she was reeling herself up to the door. She noticed two problems. She noticed that her dress was rolled over her wheel, and there was a big grease stain right down the front of it. Yikes. And the flowers in her lap had shifted so that they're now not in the center. They're now on the side. And the door's open. It's too late. You can't change anything. The door's opened up. And it was terribly disappointing. But all of a sudden, when the doors looked up, she saw her husband-to-be. And you know what she did? She took her wheelchair and she went straight down that aisle. And here's what she said. She said, you know what? Just reading here. She said, it was a terrible experience when the doors were closed. But when the doors opened, as I stared at him, I forgot all about me. Friends, when we stare at God and worship, no matter if it's your favorite song or not, we likewise forget about the petty frustrations of this life, don't we? 
That's how we worship. Look, I pray someday, by God's grace, that we can have this whole band of things up here. I don't know who plays the harp, but if you can find a harpist, get them in here. Amen? I don't know. But I, one thing I do know is that God is good, and He deserves to be worshipped. Friends, worship is not the entertainment of man. It is the exaltation of God. It's not the style of music, but it's the sincerity of the people praising God that matters most. That's our heart. Let's end with this. Where should we pray? Anywhere. Why should we pray? He's worthy. How should we pray? We should pray to do it in a way that honors the Lord. But who should praise? Look back at verse, verse 6. Very easy, straightforward. Let everything that has breath, congregation, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Friends, you cannot like Jesus. You must worship him or find him appalling. I hate to be so straightforward. But when it comes to who should worship God, you're either going to be uh, that social media type person who likes Jesus only while it's convenient for you, or you're going to be the person when life gives you a thumbs down in your situations, no matter what it is, you're going to be like Job and say, God, blessed be the Lord, the God who gives and taketh away. Blessed be his name. Because friends, worship is going to disappoint you at times, but who should praise the Lord? It's everything, everyone, and especially his people. Christian, has there ever been one time when God has ever disappointed you? No. Has there ever been one time when God has not been faithful to you? No. Has there ever been one time when he has said, you know what, I'll get back to you later? Oh, psych, just kidding. The answer's right now. No. God has been so patient, so faithful, so good. All those things we studied. And this finds ample support. Look back at Psalm 148. I want to read this with you. Go back to Psalm 148, verse 7. And I'll read verses 7 through 14. I want you to see how faithful God has been. Who should praise the Lord? Psalm 148 gives us a great list. It says, Psalm 148, verse 7 and following, it says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all the deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountain and all the hills, fruit trees and cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and rulers, young men, maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the heavens. For he has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all the saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. You are never too old. You are never too young. You are never too middle-aged, whatever that means. You're never too out of shape. You're never too in shape. You're never too rich. You're never too poor. You're never too middle class. You're never too suburban. Rick, I love you, but you're never too friends of a Jayhawk to do it. Even Jayhawks in worship can come together. Amen? Amen. Guys, what's the point? Look, here it is. Wherever you are at in your life, who should praise the Lord? It's everybody, at every time, in every place. Because the more you see how brilliant this God is, the more you want to worship Him. For some of you, as you sing these songs, as we come together to gather in worship, it may be that you need to be silent before the Lord. I have a good pastor friend of mine that almost every Sunday I saw him, he would be down like this. He would just be, he's a thinker. And he doesn't like to sing out loud very much. He would just think. But when you talk to him afterwards, what were you thinking about? He was taking those lyrics and rolling them over in his mind. What am I really singing? What am I really praising God for? You know, some of you are, some of you are so good at praising the Lord, you like energize the whole congregation. You know what I'm saying? Like, almost like a cheerleader would be at a football game. You just get praising the Lord and everyone around you is like, wow, this is serious stuff. This is a good thing. 
wherever you're at, maybe you're more stoic. Maybe you're one that keeps your hands in front of you. Maybe you're one that's like me and can't clap on the same beat when everyone else is on two, you're on three. You're always behind. Do you ever hear someone singing out of tune? That's me and I'm off. That's praise the Lord. Amen. Wherever you are, whether you can sing, whether you can't sing, whether your, your voice is good or not good, there's no stipulation here. What matters is, is that your heart is set to praise God. Who should praise the Lord? Everybody. I had one man tell me at church one time, he said, you know, I just don't sing because I'm not a good singer. Right? And he said, you know, but in my heart, I'm praising God because I love God for what he's doing. Maybe that's you today. I don't know. I don't know. But friends, some people want to get done with worship so they can get on with life, but believers just want to worship all their life. Christian, can I ask you today, are you letting God be your worship as you go through your day? As you face your hard times this week, are you letting God be the one that is in control of all things? How do you praise the Lord? Friends, just take five minutes and thank Him for what He's done. Take two minutes and say, Lord, thank you for this food. Not just because it's grace before a meal, but Lord, thank you for this food today. Pray for Blake. Pray for the worship team. What a tough job that is. You know, you guys are so flexible and so open and so loving. Thank you, congregation, for doing that. You know, um, sadly, there are churches and reports of churches that split apart because the worship pastor picked one song they didn't like, and we're going to leave the church because of it. Don't do that. And friends, I'm pointing ten fingers back at myself because as a college student, you better believe this was a big thing. Blake, you remember these days. Matt, you remember these days that, you know what, if, if they don't play this song, I'm, just gonna, I'm going over here. I'm going to this. Look, you find a church that speaks to you through God's word by the Holy Spirit and worships God, and that's where it stands. That's where it stands. Some of you, God may call to worship as an international missionary someday. Some of you may be worshiping in a, in a, in a pig farm because that's the only place you can meet safely. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. But friends, I pray at Tower View that everything we ask goes back to this one question. Is it gospel-centered? Is it biblical? Is it faithful? That's what our measure of success is. Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this is a sermon that speaks mainly to myself because, Lord, I know my heart is not right in some of these areas, even as I prepare this message. Father, but as we come together, thank you. It's not about a particular style, but it is about the way that we worship you how we worship you, the lyrics, the things that drive it, Father, that we've been so taught here. Father, I thank you for so many faithful people here. And Lord, I just pray that as we worship you corporately on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, whatever it is, that Lord, we remember it's not about us, it's all about you. Father, speak to us, guide us, direct us. But Father, every port of, of contact this week, may we remember to praise your name. Hard or good, easy or bad, to praise your name. We lift this up today in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll join me in standing as we end our last song today. Next week, we get to baptize two people. What a great thing that will be. It's going to be a very encouraging day. But if you have a decision you'd like to make this morning, whether it's to receive Christ as Savior or to be baptized or talk about church membership, come on down this way. We love you all so much. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you for allowing us to, the opportunity to lead. Blake, I'm going to turn it over to you.
Great. 